0: From the Raptors, the NCAA, and around the NBA, Toronto basketball fans, this is your home court with Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, and Josh Lewenberg on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. after
1: that performance, we need a culture reset here, you know, like we need to figure it out. Yeah, there's been some success, but at the end of the day, we, we're trying to win a championship here.
2: And with the 23rd pick in the 2017 NBA Draft, the Toronto Raptors select OG Ananobi. you feel like you have a better opportunity here than you did in Toronto? Uh, well, hopefully. I mean, I haven't
1: touched the court yet. Uh, but yeah, hopefully I, you know, I can have a better opportunity here. So you know, first of all, I want to thank the Raptors organization uh, you know, for giving me the opportunity to come back to the place I call home. As far as picking Toronto, of the teams that I spoke to, first of all, winning was humongous to me.
3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of Home Court. Second season, the NBA season is three days away. The Raptors will tip off. A couple days after opening night officially on the nineteenth, they will have the Chicago Bulls. You can catch that on TSN TV. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lundberg. Gentlemen, it's good to see you after a long off season.
0: It's been a minute, as the kids are saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not a lot of changes here. Same crew.
3: Same crew. New producer though. New producer. Shout out Lindsay Dunn, who's our new producer this season.
0: And put together that nice little opening we had there. Yeah,
3: little little David Bowie in there, little changes. Can't go wrong. There's a lot of songs she could have gone with. Not a bad choice. A nice melody. And we heard different sound. We heard Messiah in there. We heard CJ Miles. We heard, obviously, the draft pick with OG Onanobi. A lot of changes this offseason. The biggest one probably coming just with the culture change we saw Damara Carroll go, Patrick Patterson go, Corey Joseph go. Hashtag culture reset. And and Kyle Lowry renews, re-signs. He calls this his second home after, obviously, his home in Philadelphia. I mean, like, there's nowhere we can really start that we wouldn't start somewhere else. So let's just jump right into it. Your thoughts on the offseason moves that uh, Masai and company made this offseason way?
2: It's funny because when Masai made this statement about the culture reset, and didn't make any significant changes in the coaching, uh, the key personnel. I'm like, well, how is this culture research going to change when you don't really change? I mean, Damari Carroll was kind of everyone expected that, but how are you going to change the culture when all the elements are still essentially the same? And I thought, and then they said they're going to shoot more three-point shots. And I'm like, okay, well, sure, we'll see. The preseason is always tough to judge because it's not a true indicator of like what's happening the season. But the way this team has been playing in the off season, in the, in the preseason, and the limited games we've seen, has shown that this team has a different philosophy. I've seen at least
0: in that regard. No question, and I think when you hear the words "culture reset," uh, a lot of us immediately uh, look at uh, the coach. Will there be a coaching yeah. change? You look right. at the the personnel, the roster. Uh, you expect a, an overhaul, culture reset. I, I mean, that's a strong term, but. In speaking with Masai the other day, he clarified, as I'm sure we we can now – we can now gather from what we've seen that the Culture Reset was more about stepping back and revisiting, re-examining the way that they do things. And specifically it's the offense. So Culture Reset was actually a system tweak more than anything else. Looking at how this team has fared in the playoffs over the last three years. And yes, they made it to the conference finals a couple of years ago, but I think we can all agree it wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy getting to that point. They benefited from some fortunate luck, some some breaks here and there. uh, The solution is tweaking the offense so that it's more sustainable once they get to that point of the year. They've had all kinds of success in the regular season, But once you get to the playoffs and and teams are really focusing in on what you do, locking in on your guys, in this case, Lowry and DeRozan, the Raptors became too predictable. So they've spent most of the summer here putting in um, new elements to the offense, really emphasizing ball movement and three-point shooting. And we're going to say this a number of times today. All the usual preseason caveats apply. But so far, so good in that regard. It seems like they're making... uh, a conscious effort uh, to be consistent in integrating the new elements of the offense. And it's clear that they're all in on this for better or for worse.
2: But going back to the key word of the culture reset, which is culture, we saw one thing and I'm going to quote Dwayne Wade. We asked him what he thought about Kyrie, Kyrie Irving was saying about his time in Cleveland. He said, I never speak bad about a place that I just left. And one person who did do that is Damari Carroll. Right. Uh, when he left, he had a lot of things to say, talking about the culture in the locker room and the environment and whatnot. And, you know, it was kind of interesting because you don't know what – no one's in the locker room. I mean, Josh, you're probably the closest to it, but you're, none of us are in that room and the door is closed. No you one know what happens. But it was funny that he had so much to say, but he also had a lot of venom to say to his team as he left, right? Right.
0: I think the way that the Raptors have played now for many years – Breeds a little bit of contempt with a lot of the role players, especially the the ones that have been on the way out. Because, for the most part, if your name isn't Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan, you're caught watching a lot of the time. It's been the Lowry show. It's been the DeMar show. So much isolation and one-on-one style basketball. Uh, and it's it's not a fun way to play for a lot of those other guys that – aren't really involved unless for, in the case of JV, unless they're dumping the ball down and running a called post-up. In the case of Damari Carroll, unless they're running something for him to get a look from the corner. Uh, This new style, and speaking with a number of the players, including a a guy I just mentioned, Jonas Valanciunas, they all love it. This is a more inclusive offense where they're all getting to take part and having a say in how the the offense is shaped that doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking all the shots and JV it's actually probably going to mean more or fewer post-up looks for him but even with DeMar and Lowry still ending up with the bulk of the points the bulk of the shots those other guys are involved they're handling the ball they're making decisions on every play and, and Again, there's going to be peaks and valleys here, especially throughout the season when adversity hits. That's always been the problem with the Raptors when they have tried to make changes to the offense. And we've seen positive things from them here and there In the past, one quarter, two quarters, three quarters, it's when the defense really locks in. You're playing an elite team. Maybe it's late in a close game, and all of a sudden, I think it's just human nature to revert back to what you were. Uh, So we'll see. There's a long way to go. But if they can continue to be consistent with this approach, even through uh, the Valleys, I think it'll be beneficial for them in the long run.
2: I mean, you made some good points in terms of the other players on the team in relation to their role with Kyle and Damar. And I think there's a pecking order on the team. We know Kyle and Damar are the guys, and they do tend to hold the ball a lot. But the key is to be ready. I mean, DeMar Carroll wasn't getting plays called for him, but there's times when you got to be ready for the shots coming. Exactly. I think, you know, we played basketball and are far from NBA pro levels, and <laughs> you have to get touches because you have to feel involved. And that's what's happening now in this offense where people are touching the ball. The ball is moving around. So you may not get a play call for you, but you feel like you're a part of the offense. And right. You're still to have to be ready because when the ball comes to you, you got to knock down that shot. If you have a shot, like Demar Carroll did or Pat Patterson did, and you know Raptors fans have you know ha- shared their feelings on how he <laughs> did or didn't do that role. But I think it's like the ball's moving better now. But ultimately, whatever level you are, you have to be ready for that shot.
0: Again, preseason uh, caveats <laughs> apply. Yes, yes, but Reason keep in mind. That. But running through, yes, seriously, a repeat button. Seriously, yeah. uh, but running through some of the results from the five-game sample size that we have to work with here, specifically the last two games, and I'll talk about the ball movement first. The Raptors never recorded more than 29 assists in a game last year. Didn't happen. They had 30 on Tuesday against Detroit. And then they topped it last night with 31 in Chicago. So the ball is moving. We've seen that. The three-point shooting has been a, little, a bit of a mixed bag in the sense that they're getting them up there. They're not right. necessarily hitting <laughs> right. them. And I before, like the Josh Lundberg uh, <laughs> shooting approach. Yeah, Bef- exactly. Before they're you not continue, shy. if
3: I can make a point on the three-point shooting because I'm glad you brought it up. They really, when you think about this roster, actually only have two natural three-point shooters in Kyle Lowry and C.J. Miles. The rest of them, if you notice, they're trying to develop these guys into three-point shooters, and it kind of goes back to what you said a couple moments ago on when it gets under pressure late in games. Are these guys going to be able to fight through the pressure, and not revert back to who they naturally are, a DeMar going into the mid-range game? Or are they going to take those open threes if they've got it? Because that's what we saw last year from DeMar Carroll and Pat Patterson was there would be times, especially with Pat, and we talked about it a lot, was he would give up wide open threes because he hadn't hit the first four that he took, and he'd pass it off for a tougher shot or a tougher pass to make. So... It's, it's tough when you look at what they're trying to do, but I think that this team is hungrier, but I apologize. I wanted to touch on that before you kept going.
0: No, and that's what makes this... I, I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical that this philosophy is going to stick is going to work for a team like the Raptors because of that point now I do think that you've got to find a healthy balance what the Raptors did in the past clearly worked in the regular season clearly they have players that excel in that style of play speaking specifically about DeMar DeRozan but As the Raptors have recognized, the league has changed and you have to be able to adapt. So it's about finding that balance. No, they are not the Golden State Warriors. They're not the Houston Rockets. And they're not going to have success playing that way, at least to that degree, because their personnel is very different. Um, Those teams that I mentioned, what makes them so unique and so good, obviously, in this modern-day style of play is... They basically have an entire roster that you can throw out there, entire five-man lineups that can stretch the floor, maybe with the exception of a couple centers. The Raptors, to your point, Megan, don't have that. They they didn't last year, and now you could argue they actually have fewer three-point shooters, even though they probably have better three-point shooters, just based on Miles being such a threat from there. And we'll get to him as well, but the question is, if the Raptors continue to hoist up threes at the rate they're they're throwing them up there now, and this is significant. The Raptors' season high last year for three-point attempts in a game was 35. They've exceeded that in all five preseason games so far, but they're shooting at around 30%. I mean, it's better than they were shooting in the first few games. They were actually pretty good from there last night, but... Again, I, I have to see some development from some of these other guys that they're looking to take these jumpers. DeLon, uh, DeMar, maybe even some of the bigs and JV. Uh, some of these you other guys.
3: You saw Bebe take one last night and actually make it?
0: He, he can stretch the floor a little <laughs> bit from that position. I'm going to have to see some development from some of these other guys before I can believe that this is a team that can get away with Taking upwards of forty threes a game.
2: Well, this is where I drop in your preseason caveat. I mean, <laughs> this is—I mean, this is happening Ding. at a big rate, but it's gonna like everything that happened in the preseason has tapered down a bit to the reality of regular season. So I'm sure while we're not going to see the same team shooting three pointers last year, the same volume, we'll see more, but we'll probably won't see as much as we're seeing in the preseason games, which is more manageable as long as the percentages are better, right? Right. I think it's who's taking those shots, when they're happening, and shooting smarter shots, not. I think the rationale right now is like if you're ever open three, you should take it, but not everyone should be shooting those shots. It's the home court drinking
0: game. Have a <laughs> shot ready for every time, every time we, we say, say pre-season, preseason caveat. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hold your thought for the rest of what you were going to say. We're going to talk the young core. Head over to at TSN 1050 on Twitter. Our poll question for the week of the young Raptors second unit, not including Norman Powell. We're not adding him into this. Who will have the biggest impact this season? DeLon Wright, Yaka Perdle, OG Ananobi, or Fred Van Vliet? Stay tuned. We've got more home court. We're talking raps. We're talking NBA. We're talking politics. We've got it all covered from the offseason right here on TSN 1050.
0: It's time for home court contested shots on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
3: Welcome back, home court. Megan McKeek, Josh Lindbergh, Dwayne Watson. I alluded to it right before the break, gentlemen. Josh, I wasn't sure if you were going to touch on it and the young core, so I wanted to make sure you didn't do it before we got to the poll question. Our poll question for this week's episode of Home Court, as I mentioned, of the young Raptors' second unit Who will have the biggest impact this season? And for those who might be wondering why we did not include Pascal Siakam or Norman Powell, because the past two seasons, Norm has had a decent amount of time with the big club playing, has had a significant role with them coming off the bench.
0: I'm also told he's going to start. I've I've been told that decision has been made. It may be fluid once the season starts, especially if it doesn't work. But for now, we're including Norm with the starters. As well, Pascal
3: Siakam, he started what was it, like 30, 38 games 38 last games last uh last year due to injuries. So that's why they're not included in this poll. Just an FYI to everyone. So right now, Delon Wright is leading the way with forty-seven percent. And OG, the new guy, he's coming up in second with twenty-seven. Jakob and Fred at twelve percent for Jakob and fourteen for Fred. It's it's tough because like when you look at it, Delon. I get why people would vote for Jelan. I get why people would vote for either any one of these four guys. Because at any moment, any one of these guys could be thrown into the fire, much like we saw with Norm in his rookie season getting thrown into the fire because of an injury. Knock on wood. This is going to be a healthy roster for the entire season. But and then they could have a huge impact. So you could get, you could get away for voting for any four of these guys or any one of these four guys, excuse me.
0: I would go Delon uh if I had to choose, but I agree. You can make a legit case for any of them. I think they're all going to be crucial to the Raptors' success this year for a few reasons, and I'll give you two. Uh one as we talked about, yeah, those four veteran role players that moved on in the offseason. That's 27 years of combined NBA experience that you're losing without Patterson, uh, Tucker, Joseph, and Carroll. These are the guys now that are soaking up those minutes. There is no one else. They need these guys to grow in their expanded roles. Uh, Otherwise, the Raptors are relying even more on their veteran core. And that's where I'm going to go now with my second point is, if these guys can step up, in the way that we've seen over the last two preseason games, to the point in which Dwayne Casey trusts them to do something that he hasn't really trusted his second unit to do in the last few years, and that's play with uh, an entire bench group together. No DeRozan, no Lowry to start the second quarter and probably to start the fourth quarter as well. That buys both of those all-star guards, particularly Lowry, who's broken down towards the second half of each of the last three seasons, and we'll talk about this later as well. That affords them some more time for rest. Uh, Finding time to cut Lowry's minutes a little bit, scale them back, that's a huge priority for the Raptors this year. But as we know, it's easier said than done. If those four guys... That we mentioned in the poll, plus CJ Miles, who looks like he's going to be part of that second unit. If they can really step up, then all of a sudden that takes a lot of pressure off of Lowry and DeRozan.
2: Yeah, and I think it's a it's a good luxury to have. I mean, young guys who can step up and play. We saw how Norm Powell evolved into that role. Um, one guy I'm really looking at who is probably not going to like knocking with doors off is Fred Van VanVleet yeah. because he's solid. He doesn't make mistakes, and I mean, he doesn't. He might not wow you, but. One thing with Coach Casey, he likes to know he can trust someone. And you know when you have Fred with the ball, he's going to make the right decisions. He can step out and hit that shot when he, he can get to the basket. And this isn't a knock on DeLon, right? Because I think there's lots of upside for him. But it's kind of like these guys are young and the potential is there. But you're going to have great moments and maybe not so great moments. And Fred is kind of even. So I think he's a guy you can definitely have there. As they're looking to, like, not, you know, run Kyle into the ground right. or Jamar into the ground and play off. And then Norm can maybe play some minutes with his unit. But... There's a lot of good things happening there and I think, you know, OG has gonna be the best surprise of the preseason in terms of actually being active and playing and getting glimpses and probably why he's getting a lot of votes as well.
0: Well Van it- Vliet's a little bit of a, a Lowry clone, right? Yeah. So yeah. when they're looking to limit some of the the playing time that Lowry's getting by throwing essentially would be Van Vliet that takes over that spot. They still have that dual point guard look that they like there. It's Van Vliet that steps into that role and does a lot of things or will need to do a lot of the things that Lowry does. He's probably, when you look at that unit outside of CJ Miles, who's fantastic three-point shooter one of the very best in the NBA Van Vliet is that guy probably overlooked on this roster that can really stretch the floor if he's getting regular minutes then going back to our conversation about the three-point shooting I think that helps the Raptors new modernized offense as well I really like Van Vliet DeLon Wright we talked about um yeah OG the the fact that I mean let's talk about OG the fact that he's even on the court at this juncture it is a pleasant surprise i think a lot of people nba teams included many of whom passed up on him in the first round expected this guy to miss roughly the first at least third of his rookie season remember he underwent knee surgery in january yep. a recovery time from those things vary depend, depending on the player but
3: and also depending on the actual length and If it's a full procedure, if it's a minor procedure. I mean, surgery is surgery. It's major either way. But if it's just a small tear versus a huge tear and things like that, too.
0: But a lot of the time, it's a year that Mm -hmm. that you're looking at in terms of when the guy is actually able to get out there and play uh, like himself again. And here we are nine months after surgery. OG is out there. I'm sure he's not 100%. I'm sure he's still on a minutes cap, which might restrict him for the first little uh, bit here in the season. But he's going to start the season uh, on the active roster and it looks like in the rotation as well. So that's a a big deal for the Raptors, who looks like got a steal with their 23rd overall pick.
2: Yeah, and a guy like him, I mean, coming off that surgery, I mean, he might be on a minute as you mentioned, but he's not looking very timid out there. He's looking like he's playing at a all level, which is no, good. And he's yeah. a guy that you know you're gonna get the defense from. Um he had twelve points last night, and here's a preseason caveat, obviously shooting two for seven from three. Take but a shot. three for <laughs> seven. Um but that's what you want. And I mean, I'm being facetious, and that's of course preseason, but he's already looking better than what you get from Demarry Carroll, knowing that you can get him throughout the season, what he can deliver. So um another solid pickup for this rap squad.
0: He is a man of few words I can yeah. tell you that after <laughs> speaking with him um, over the last few months since he was drafted, it's really tough to get anything out of the young man. But what both Dwayne Casey and Masai Ujiri have stressed to me over and over again is don't let that fool you. He is a very smart young man, and what yeah. we're seeing uh, from him in the preseason here so far in the two games that he's played is... Uh, uh, a, a court, vi- a sense of court vision, a sense of uh, his basketball, basketball IQ, is high that I, I don't think we expected. We knew about the athleticism, we knew about the defensive upside and, and versatility that he has on that end. But to see some of the passes that he's making, some of the the, the, the some of the cuts, um, I mean, that's a big part uh, of the game and what they're looking for from him if he is going to be playing regular minutes. You mentioned the three-point shooting. and That's obviously not a a big part of his game as well. He's raw offensively. That's still a work in progress. But he hit three of his last four three-pointers last night. So if he can do those things, if he can pass the ball, if he can move without the ball and knock down some shots now and then, if nothing else, then to keep the defense honest – Uh, he's certainly a guy that warrants consideration in this poll that we have up here on Twitter. And Megan, let me tell you why we're so uh, cautiously
2: optimistic about OG. This three spot for the Raptors over the course of the franchise has been...
0: It's been a thorn in their side. A revolving door. Norman Powell, or we expect it to be Norman Powell, will become the 14th different starting small forward on opening night for the Raptors in a span of 15 years, which is a stat that... Blows the mind. Yeah. So That's I mean the insane. fact that
2: if this is someone who could step up and be that player for the future of the franchise, like in someone you get defensively, some offense, whatnot, and not to take away from Norm Powell, and I mean I think yeah. it's a fluid situation with him and where he plays. He's gonna be on the floor closing games period for the team. But knowing that you could have someone who can kinda of merge and evolve into being that that three spotted solid guy for the team. Is a big deal for this guy.
0: I'm not sure either of them are a real three in today's NBA. I mean, Ananobi, I think we're going to see him play a lot of four. And Norm, as he's reminded us, is actually a a two guard or a combo guard. But, I mean, welcome to the positionless NBA. Exactly.
3: (laughs) We'll talk more about Norm because I actually want to talk about him later on. But coming up next, as we head to break, Josh talked with Kyle Lowry. We'll have a two minute report with Josh Luenberg coming up next. Keep it locked right here on TSN 1050's home court
0: this is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
3: Welcome back inside the TSN 1050 studios here at headquarters. Just a reminder, pregame for Leafs action tonight as they take on Montreal starts at 5 p.m. right here on TSN 1050. Gentlemen... Josh, you talked with Kyle Lowry. Uh, Tell us more about your two-minute report that we're
2: about to hear.
0: Well, we teased it up earlier. I mean, the Raptors are clearly prioritizing uh, the idea of preserving Kyle Lowry for the playoffs this year. It's something that goes back to the last three seasons where Lowry has been at his best in the first half of the year. Then the wear and tear of a long season takes its toll. And by the time the spring rolls around, what we've seen is... Three consecutive un-Lowry-like playoff performances. And as a result, the team has struggled. So now, after investing a $100 million in him over the offseason, remember, he's going to be 32 in March. uh, They're really looking for ways to cut back his minutes and ease the workload on their all-star point guard. So I, I spoke to Kyle about... That plan and, and what the Raptors intend to do, what he intends to do this year to make sure that doesn't happen. I started off by asking him what he did with his body and his trading regimen during the off offseason.
1: Uh, just,
0: you know, fine-tuned it even
1: more. Uh, you know, I'm getting older in my career and, uh, you know, I want to be able to sustain the, the high level of play throughout yeah. the rest of my career until it will fall off. And, um, you know, I understand that i got to always
0: be in the best shape to be able to push my team to the limit. To that point, uh, I mean, over the last few years you've been at your best in the first half of the season. Right. And then the the wear and tear of the year, the long year takes its toll as it does for most players. Avoiding that is obviously easier said than done, given how long and grueling the season is. But is there any way to counter that? Yeah, I, think, I think this year we'll
1: be cutting my minutes a little bit. We're gonna try to, and uh, yeah, I think that's one thing that the coach's staff and coach will help me cut my minutes down a little bit. But um, it's more for myself to keep going and find ways to stay more healthy and stay locked in, um, stay, you know, to not let the wear and tear and kill, get up, get to me more so. So push through it and
0: make sure that I'm always healthy throughout the whole season. How much do you think the new offense will help, too? I mean, theoretically if the ball is moving more, if you're relying more on a three-point shot, there might be less wear and tear. I can hit as much that, yeah. like, you know, maybe we get some wrestling games where we're shooting
1: ball extremely well, we get one of the games where we shoot a few percent from three. You know, one of those games, game. but I think New offense just with the movement and me not having to have the ball and handle the ball as much and being able to kind of freelance a little bit it will definitely take a lot of pressure off my body.
0: How hard is it to find that balance? I mean, obviously you're extremely competitive, so is Case. Right. You guys want to win games, but at the same time, you do have to keep the playoffs in the back of you your mind. That's, that's it right there. A tough we lineup. Just got to, we just got to find a way to kind of understand that what the end goal is and not
1: yeah. worry about the everyday goal.
3: Kyle Lowry, obviously they're talking with our very own Josh Lewinberg, kinda just getting an idea of the off season and much like what we saw from him last year coming into the season, out of the off season, he looked uh he looked in better shape than what we've seen in previous years. I actually thought personally he Didn't look as slim, but he looked stronger and bulkier in that sense, if that makes sense to either of you guys.
0: He is in the club of Raptors players coming into camp in the best shape of their lives. There's a bunch of them, because I talked to JV. who wrote a story on him this week as well. And he's also looking good, feeling good, moving much better. This goes back to the so-called culture reset that we were talking about earlier. One of the things that the Raptors really focused on This summer is making sure that they were keeping track of the conditioning that all their players were doing. And it wasn't just about, okay, well, uh, be in the gym, work out. It it was managing their bodies and making sure that they were keeping their uh, body fat down. Uh, I've been told that they're measuring that, that they're testing body fat now on a... Even Coach Casey's. On a bi-weekly, even Coach Casey, yeah. on a bi-weekly basis, every couple weeks, they're testing these guys and making sure that they're under or at least around 10% body fat. Lowry certainly one of those guys that's under that, so uh, that's an encouraging sign going into this season, but of course, Lowry's been in good shape coming into camp before, too. The season is long, and Lowry, in the way that he plays, uh, he plays so hard, and because he's... Uh, Going, driving into the trees and he taking goes all like those hits—hundred
3: miles an hour, a hundred
0: miles He plays one way and one way only, and while that's a great thing and has helped made him the player that he is today, it's also a scary thing in the sense that we've seen it take its toll. So the Raptors have to be smart. Casey has talked about being disciplined, both of those guys being disciplined because they're both competitive. They both want to win games, but at some point, the Raptors now in a position where they really do have to look ahead to the playoffs, they've got to decide whether they're willing to potentially sacrifice a few regular season wins to ensure that Lowry is better prepared For the playoffs, we know how crucial he is to this team. He is as valuable as anyone else on this roster, DeMar DeRozan included. So the difference between playing him 40 minutes a game and 35 or 35 and 40 could very well be the difference between winning and losing games. It's a tough thing to balance, I think, if you're the Raptors. I agree with
2: you, but I think at this juncture of how the Raptors' trajectories have gone, postseason is the key, I think. Based on their success in the regular season, I don't think there's any question of this team's success in the regular season. We've seen it over the last few years. Um, there's a lot of questions about how they fare in the postseason. And I think you need your players, your key players, who you rely on, not worn out, healthy, and ready to play. So if it's a matter of saying, okay, we're going gonna to give Kyle less minutes, because now they can feel more confident, DeLon Wright and Fred Van VanVleet, who we yeah. just talked about, yep. taking those minutes. But you know Kyle Lowry is a player. He's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. Feels that he doesn't get the respect he deserves. We don't have to talk about the offseason rankings and all that stuff. So he's approaching it coming in like, I want to be talked about at the best point guard in the Eastern Conference or in the league. So he's making sure his body's ready, as we've seen the last three years. And I don't want to be knocked as a guy who can't play a whole season. So he takes that approach in the offseason to make sure his body's ready.
0: I, I wrote about this for, for TSN.ca. You can check out the piece there. It's also pinned to my uh, Twitter account at JLU1050. And what's interesting about this from the bigger picture is I I think we can look at how the Raptors are approaching this season going in and there is a very uh, clear shift in philosophy in mindset in in years past I, I mean this is not a franchise with a rich history of winning for so many guys in this organization this has been pretty new over the last four years at least at this level so every year it sort of seemed like okay well Don't ask me about the playoffs in February. we got to get there first. It was taking one game at a time. Um, But now, even going back to, again, the culture reset, they're now trying to change their offense to one that is going to be more – Sustainable in the playoffs at the expense of one that's worked for them in the regular season. So they're looking ahead in that sense, and they're certainly looking ahead more in terms of the way that they're managing Lowry's minutes. So, I, I mean, this is a significant shift, I think, in the sense that they're not the San Antonio Spurs, but they're starting to think a little bit more like a franchise that has had more success, and expects to have continued success.
2: And that's the key. That's the turning point. It's like, we're not happy to be here anymore. We're like, how do we make it to the next level? That's the key for every good franchise, and like, what's that step and What measures do they have to take to be better in the postseason when it essentially really matters?
3: Do either of you think, I mean, when you look at what Commissioner Silver has done, and he's, as a lot of people like to call him, the player's commissioner, unlike David Stern was, he's limited the back-to-backs, they've... Try to get rid of as many four games and five nights as possible, with the exception of like maybe it happening once in a blue moon. Um travel they've tried to limit as well too as we know the Raptors start their season at home for a couple games and then they go on that tough West Coast road swing right off the bat. Do you think that throughout this season we may see Coach Casey and the staff, one, it kind of goes twofold into it one take a gamble on the second unit and really play them heavy minutes and be okay with the result of the game whatever it may be and on that note try to get Lowry and Damar rest when they can throughout the season rather than doing it at the bulk near the end of the season when, you know, you know what you're going to be in the playoffs, you know what your seating is, and sort of just kind of take this game by game, see what they can do, and try and limit their minutes that way maybe? Do we see something of that nature happen, kind of the Greg Popovich move?
2: First of all, I'm a big Adam Silver fan, but he didn't change the scheduling for the players. So the the, the problem with players sitting in and stars not playing was a key factor in that too. Yeah, money was
3: behind it. But at the end of the (laughs) day,
2: though, it does stretch it out where guys cannot kill their bodies so much where they have you know, four games, five days, or whatever the numbers are, and back-to-backs and whatnot. So that is better for especially the veteran players. I think uh, I think Coach Casey is going to feel it out. I don't think he's a guy of extremes where he'll say, okay, you know, like, you're going to play ha- first half and that's it kind of right. thing. But I think he has more confidence in his second unit now. Um, not that last year's second unit year was bad, but for them to play. And they're also younger guys. They're going to need to get those minutes. So I think knowing that you have like the two-headed backcourt of Delon and Fred Van Vliet in conjunction with the CJ Miles or Norm Powell in those minutes, he can find ways to not play Kyle as much or feel he needs to play him and DeMar as much.
0: Yeah, I mean, scaling back the minutes for Lowry, as we said, is easier said than done. It's something that they've talked about before, especially at this time of the year, but that's a plan that's usually discarded pretty quickly once the season starts and winning, at least in the regular season, has been the immediate priority. It's going to come down to a few things. We talked about the second unit. If those guys can actually play for sustained periods of time and earn Dwayne Casey's trust without having to throw Lowry out there, that helps a great deal. Uh, To your point, Megan, I I think that the... additional rest that's built into the schedule should help and then I also think the new offense could aid in the Raptors goal to at least limit some of the wear and tear as well if the ball is moving more and and Lowry is getting better looks from beyond the arc something that they they want because he's one of the better three-point shooters on this team theoretically that means he's taking fewer hits there's fewer possessions that result in him being forced to make something out of nothing by driving into the trees. Uh so I mean I think it's doable, but they're going to have to be smart with it. And it's going to be ha- it's going to have to be something that they're conscious of from day 1 until April because as we know, if Lowry isn't Lowry come playoff time, this team is in big trouble. We've seen it before. We've seen what happens if they don't right preserve him, and to me, that's one of the biggest factors that's going to determine how this team fares this season. We're going to get into that in the second hour of home court. We're going to talk about predictions and where we see the Raptors finishing. Uh, There are a few determining factors. We talk about the young guys, of course, how Ibaka gels with this new big three uh, with him and and Lowry and DeRozan after having a full training camp, but more than anything else, I think for me is uh, what condition is Kyle Lowry in once the playoffs roll around. If he's at his best, then I think the Raptors are at their best.
3: Once again, the Raptors open up their season versus the Chicago Bulls on Thursday at 7.30. You can catch it on TSN TV. And the first TSN 1050 game you can catch next Saturday, October 21st, 7.30 p.m. versus the Process, that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Keep it locked right here to TSN 1050's home court. We've got Jack Armstrong coming up next.
0: This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto Basketball.
3: Welcome back inside the TSN 1050. Raptors, Leafs, headquarters. A little bit of a location change from where we're normally at the Sport Check Studios, but you know, they like to change it up on us. We like to be a little flexible, so we're at our home base. And as I mentioned, if you're just joining us, episode one, the Raptors tip off their season versus Chicago. But you gentlemen will have the first show for 10:50 next Saturday. I know we'll probably talk about it, but like really quickly, Joel Embiid has won the Twitter, has won the off-season Twitter. Your thoughts? And and the he's contract, it, right? The,
2: and the contract is the battle too. <laughs> will he win the on-court battle? The question with him, he's such a talent, but can he stay on the floor for 60 games?
0: Yeah, well, while, while his Twitter game was fire last night, Hassan Whiteside brought up a good point. He's played 31 games in three years. He's <laughs> now getting, what, four, I think just around $5 million for each of the games that he's played to this yep. point in his career. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's time to put the money where, time to put his mouth where the money is. And, and he's going to have to not only stay healthy, but he's going to have to earn the money that Philadelphia is giving him.
2: And it's funny, too, because these are two big men, and we're talking about an era where not the big men is dying, but they're slowly getting phased out right. of the game, so it's kind of interesting.
0: Now,
3: I, I want to go back to the poll. If you haven't checked it out, at TSN 1050 on Twitter. Uh, the young guys, I actually voted, and I, as I mentioned, you can justify voting for any one of those four guys, DeLon, Jakob, Fred, um, and uh, OG. But before I go to that, we've got the coach on the line. We were waiting to get him on the line. Jacko is back with us this season here on home court. Jack Armstrong, how are you doing now that we are almost, almost, we still got a couple days, but it's you can almost reach it with your hands, the, the home opener?
4: Are you there, Jack? Yes, I'm here. Jack, how are you? I'm great, Megan. How you doing?
3: I'm well, thank you. Let's jump right into it. As I was saying, you can almost reach the home opener with the Raptors and the Bulls. What have you seen in the moves that Masai made this off season that you know it, it just it it tickles you happy that you're looking forward to this new Raptors season in the 2017-18 year?
4: Well, I, I think a few things. Number one. Um, the acquisition of C.J. Miles. This is a team that needs to do a better job spacing the floor and making open shots. Uh, we talked about this a lot a year ago, uh, particularly down the stretch of the season, where the, the number of open shots that Maury Carroll and Patrick Patterson had that they didn't make, and people put it—you know—people were killing Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry for uneven playoff performance, but. I think when you have people around those guys that can really keep the defense honest and make open shots, I think it really makes the team better. The ball moves better. Uh, you're able to isolate a, a DeRozan a lot more. He becomes more effective not only as a scorer but a passer. So I think having a guy like Miles, who's a, a proven professional shooter, uh, that helps. But I, I also think, I think the uh, you know making sure you you kept Norman Powell in the fold. I I think he's a guy that, you know, based upon, they talk all the time about, you know, the program. Uh, I mean, he's a perfect example of what they've been trying to do the last few years. And I I really think that uh, I give Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and Dwayne Casey a lot of credit. I think That was a good move. Keeping Norman Powell. He's a guy that really uh, is a big part of what they're trying to do. So I think those are two guys that really get me excited about uh, kind of what, they can bring, and more importantly, what the look of the team can be.
2: Jack, you talk about the necessity to change the flow of the offense. Um, Now they're going to have the bigs at the high post or the top of the key. Um, How do you think they'll be in terms of being decision makers or facilitators for the rest of the teammates in the offense?
4: You know, Dwayne, that's a good question, and and I don't know the answer yet because, you know, it's one thing in preseason, uh, and a lot of times uh, people really aren't getting all that worked up defensively in terms of scheming. Of how they're going to play uh, play play sequences that you're going to run, so I think it's a, it's a lot different now, opening night and and beyond to see when the Raptors show that look, uh, how you know how deep uh, people will sag off into the lane and really cheat off of that and, and dare those guys to make shots. So to me, I think right now a big part of it. Uh, comes down to, uh, we'll have to we'll all have to see for ourselves how that, in fact, will look. I, I think when Serge Ibaka's at the five and they go with a, a, a Powell, a, a Miles, uh, a Lowry, a DeRozan, it'll be a dramatically different look than maybe what it would be if, if Valentinus is at the five or a Jakob Pertl or Lucas Nogueira is at that position.
0: Jack, we were talking about this earlier in the hour. The Raptors are hoping to cut back some of Kyle Lowry's minutes in this his uh, 12th NBA season Uh, they're hoping that their young second unit is is able to step up to the point in which they're comfortable throwing those guys out there without Lowry here and there to begin the second quarter the fourth quarter and buy him some time on the bench what have you seen from that young group so far and are you confident that they're going to be able to do that
4: I, I have some caution there. Uh, I, I, I like both Fred Van Vliet and Belon Wright. I think both of them have the potential to be good backup uh, professional guards. I think they're already starting to show that they can be that. Now, the question, you know, you look back to a year ago, uh, you know, Corey Joseph saved the Raptors season. You know, when, when Kyle Lowry went down, and I think everyone expected things were going to go in the tank. Uh, he played his best basketball of the season. What were they, 14-7, and 15-7 with him in place there? And, you know, on the other hand, when DeLon Wright got a chance to play during that stretch and when Fred VanVleet got a chance to play during that stretch, they played really well. So I think a, a lot will depend on on just how the consistency of the roster is you know, can Norman Powell and C.J. Miles give you enough consistent scoring? Uh, How involved will Balanchunas be? Uh, You know, what are you going to, how are you going to use a a Jakub Pert or OG or guys like that? But I I personally think that, you know, when you look at at those two kids, uh, you know, DeLon Wright obviously is a a tremendous uh, defender, long, quick, uh, great size, can finish at the rim. Uh, his shooting, still needs some work. Uh, Fred VanVleet is a, a good shooter, a pretty solid in screen and roll, a feisty defender, kind of a watching him. I, it kind of reminds me of watching a young Kyle Lowry out of Over. And uh, I just think the good thing is they've been around the team for a few years, same coaches, same system, same style. Uh, I, I think that helps them so they know what the expectations are. And to me, I, I think a big part of it is just going to come down to can they get through that early stretch? You know, it's good to have two home games to start the season. And then when you go through that 16 West Coast swing, you know, how are they going to hold up there? That'll be a big test. And if they do, then I think you're able to kind of look to mix and match at times and keep Lowry on the bench for a few extended minutes. But bottom line, you've got to win games.
2: Jack, we talk about the fluidity of the starting lineup in terms of who may be there, depending on the matchup situation, but who are the five guys you feel on this team who will be closing out games for the Raptors?
4: Well, I would say there's six. Uh, I would say, you know, obviously, Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Powell, uh, Ibaka, Valanchunas, and then Miles. Those would be the six guys that, you don't know, have a, a, a proven professional track record. I mean, Norman probably being the sixth of that group in terms of, uh, a, you know, a resume. But he's, he's played the most of, of your young group. Um, and, and I think a lot will depend, uh, Dwayne, you know, depending on if, if your matchup is small that night, maybe Ibaka closes as a five. Maybe if the opposing team is a little bigger than Valentinas, it's a five and you're more traditional with him and Ibaka. But I would think uh, different mixes and matches of those six guys will probably be the likely, you know, finishing group in the final six minutes of games.
0: All right. Prediction time, Jacko. I'm going to put you on the spot. How do the Raptors do this year? Give me a win total or a window somewhere in that neighborhood of, of where they might finish and uh, how they do in the Eastern Conference, how they do in the playoffs. Well, I, I, you
4: know, you're the first person to ask me, so that's a, that's a good one. Um, I thought about it a lot. Uh, I definitely look at Cleveland at one. I look at Boston at two. And then I think the Raptors are kind of in that three through six neighborhood uh, with Washington, Miami, Milwaukee, and themselves. So, uh, uh, So I would say right now, if everything goes right, like they have minimal injuries and some of their younger players develop to the point where they can be relatively consistent off the bench, I see them as a fourth seed behind Washington, and you know probably Milwaukee and Miami, probably Milwaukee at five and Miami at six. But I think if, if if that second unit doesn't really develop or show a lot of consistency, and or they have you know a share of injuries or whatever, then uh, they could easily fall to five six. But I, I think they're a type of team that'll be. Uh, somewhere between 45 and 50 wins, if, if everything goes right. But I do think that they miss one guy. I, I really think if they had one more uh, reliable veteran player uh, coming off the bench, I think that would that would make me that much more comfortable. And number two, I think that, you know that the plan is to shoot a lot of threes, and I understand that and I respect that. You know, and Matt and I joke about it a lot on the air. Uh, nonetheless, I, I, there's no question that I see where things are going and, and they're trying to build accordingly. The question is, do they have enough shooting across the board on their roster uh, to to be able to play that way? I mean, it's one thing to be takers. It's another thing to be makers. And I think that's a big flaw that they have. And I think if they had one more, kind of like a, a, a another veteran, like wing two, three man, uh, who had the ability to be a consistent shooter, I think that this would be a really, really good team. So I think, I think they have a chance to be good. Uh, very good, they're probably one guy away. And I'm not talking about a superstar guy away. I'm talking about a, just a good, solid veteran off the bench. If not, you're relying on, woof, you're relying on guys that don't have a proven track record. And particularly early when you got six of eight games to start out on the west Coast, Uh, that's when you find out, you know, different shooting backgrounds, different arenas, time zones, fatigue, all that, whether these guys can really perform under duress.
3: All right, Jack, we appreciate you taking some time, and we look forward to checking in with you every Saturday this season.
4: Megan, my pleasure. Josh and Dwayne, look forward to it, folks.
3: Have a good one, Jacko. Once again, TSN analyst and Raptors analyst Jack Armstrong joining us keep it locked right here we've got one more hour to talk hoops NBA contributor Kevin Cottrell will be joining us at two fifteen to talk all the NBA offseason moves including the big one that happened of course we're going to talk a little Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas keep it locked home court right here on TSN 1050.